Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in Wednesday edition Outkick the Show. I appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we have a bunch of big stories to dive into here on Outkick the Show. As always, thank you to everybody out there subscribing on YouTube. Thanks you to everybody who's listening on Spotify or iTunes or watching us on the Twitter video or the Facebook videos or wherever else you may be finding Outkick the Show daily. Uh, appreciate all of you. And I want to start right off the top with a really serious story that is unfortunately imminently predictable. And I have been telling you since the Supreme Court draft opinion on Roe v. Wade leaked that we were headed towards a situation that occurred last night. And I want to get the facts right. So I'm going to read some of the details from this unsealed indictment that is out there. There was an individual... And again, I try to not name these individuals, uh, even though this guy was not successful in his attempt, designed to try and kill, assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. The motivation for why he wanted to kill Brett Kavanaugh was to keep Roe v. Wade from being overturned. This man traveled to Washington, D.C. area, to Montgomery County, Maryland, He had a Glock 17 pistol, two magazines, tactical chest rig, and knife, a pistol light, pepper spray, zip ties, and other tools. His goal was to kill Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. He came to his home. He told the detective he was upset about the leak of a recent Supreme Court draft decision as well as the recent school shooting in Uvalde. I'm reading, he thought Kavanaugh would support looser gun laws, and so he made the decision to kill Brett Kavanaugh and then himself, according to the police officer, believing it would give his life purpose. This is the affidavit of the man who attempted to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. Now, I hope the media is going to cover this aggressively. Tomorrow we've got primetime hearings on January 6th. We should have a real discussion about the comments made by Chuck Schumer in March of 2020 outside of the Supreme Court where he threatened Justice Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. We should talk about the fact that it is a federal crime to protest outside of justices' homes And so far, the protesters have not been arrested. Left-wing activists shared all of the Supreme Court justices in the conservative majority here, their home addresses, and encouraged people to protest there. Joe Biden, Merrick Garland, the entire Biden administration, no one was willing to condemn these protests that were taking place outside of the home. No one, by and large, has been willing on the Democrat side to protest the leak of this Supreme Court draft opinion. And this is what really that draft opinion was designed to do. It was designed to put a target 
an actual target in the case of this assassination attempt on Brett Kavanaugh. Because until the opinion is officially published, it is not law. And so there is a perverse and scary incentive afoot right now. And that perverse and scary incentive evidently motivated this guy to travel from California, this left-wing loon activist, to travel from California to the east coast of our country and show up outside of Brett Kavanaugh's home armed and intending to assassinate the justice. If he had been successful, the Supreme Court decision to potentially overturn Roe v. Wade in the event that that is their decision would not have become law. We would have gone to eight Supreme Court justices and Joe Biden would have had the opportunity to appoint a new justice with his slim majority broken by a, it can break a tie in the Senate with Kamala Harris's vote, he would have had the opportunity to appoint another Supreme Court justice to replace Brett Kavanaugh and Roe v. Wade may have ended up remaining the law of the land. It still might. Because there is an awful perverse incentive structure that was intended via this leak to try and keep this from becoming law. Which is why I have argued now for over a month since this opinion was leaked, we still don't know, by the way, the identity of the leaker, that it is time and way past time to release this opinion and make it the law of the land. And on top of that, Justice Roberts, who reportedly is not in the majority right now, there's a five-justice majority that was voting to overturn Roe v. Wade. Justice Roberts needs to join that majority and make it a six-to-three decision. And he needs to do that because if he does not do it, then the perverse incentive is going to remain out there that if you kill a Supreme Court justice in the majority on a 5-4 decision, you could potentially overturn the overturn of Roe v. Wade just based on getting a new justice appointed. It's a big deal. This is an awful situation that has been allowed to fester. If we want to talk about domestic extremism, to my knowledge, we have never had anyone arrested for attempting to assassinate a Supreme Court justice. Fortunately, we've never had a Supreme Court justice assassinated. And thankfully, there was protection there to catch this man at around 1.45 in the morning when he showed up with a gun intending to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. This is the universe that was created by the leaking of this opinion, an unprecedented act. It was imminently foreseeable that an issue like this might arise. In fact, I told you guys as soon as this story happened that I was afraid this might be the result. And... It needs to be universally condemned and the incentive structure that is in place to take the life of a Supreme Court justice over what is a very contentious decision in the Roe v. Wade case needs to be, I believe, supplemented by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. He needs to become the sixth vote, even if he 100% doesn't agree with it, to take away this idea that if you kill one justice, the opinion no longer becomes law. And it needs to be expedited and released sooner rather than later. Those are my opinions on this story. Thankfully, Brett Kavanaugh and his family were protected. But I don't think we can underrate this assassination attempt. And if you want to discuss it in the context of the insurrection, 
was a riot, by the way. It wasn't an insurrection. But this is a left-wing insurrection. This is someone who tried to kill a Supreme Court justice to help left-wing ideals triumph on the court. He tried to stage an insurrection against the Supreme Court and against the rule of law and against our judicial process overall. And he's been incentivized by much of the language and much of the behavior that exists in the left wing of the Democrat Party right now. And so this is a major deal. I want you to just ask yourself, how would this be considered and covered if a right-wing zealot had shown up outside of a left-wing Supreme Court justice's home armed attempting to murder that justice? Again, make no mistakes, this was an assassination attempt that was foiled. It's terrifying. And then I want you to think about what would have happened in this country and how difficult of a situation it would have created if suddenly Brett Kavanaugh is murdered and there is a choice has to be made inside of the Biden White House about putting forward a replacement for Brett Kavanaugh, I think in many ways it might have created an already combustible country and added a great deal of jet fuel to it. So I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of the consequences of what this man was attempting to uh, do in terms of the assassination. And we have to remove, in my opinion, the perverse incentive that he has right now to act. And that's why this opinion needs to come out and Justice Roberts needs to join it to make it 6-3 so it's not determined by any one justice. There are a couple of justices in the majority over and above just a 5-4 decision. Yesterday afternoon, story came down, New York Times did a deep dive on the Deshaun Watson sexual assault allegations. They found that Watson had 66 different massage therapists in a 17-month window. 66. They also found that 24 of those women now have alleged they were sexually assaulted. Two more in civil lawsuits. Two more alleged they were sexually assaulted in a criminal investigation, meaning there are actually 26 Deshaun Watson accusers at this point in time. And there were a lot of details that were incredibly, incredibly damning for Deshaun Watson. And let me share some of those details that were out there uh, when you actually break through. Deshaun Watson, direct message. First of all, we should mention, he claims these are therapeutic massages, yet every single person he's hiring to provide a therapeutic massage is a woman. He said at one point uh, that he was just trying to support black businesses. This is Deshaun Watson explaining his behavior to a masseuse just trying to support black businesses. Here is another woman. This woman, by the way, has not actually sued Deshaun Watson. She said that Watson, this is ridiculous, but she said Watson got into the happy baby yoga pose that is on his back with his feet in his hands and asked her to massage, I'm reading from the New York Times, 
between his testicles and anus. She said he, she laughed off the request, but said he grabbed her wrist and put her hand there. Uh, the woman said, uh, and, and the woman in the most recent uh, case says that Watson, ref- that even though she refused to provide Watson sexual favors, this is the 24th lawsuit that's been filed, that he jerked off on her, both her face and her chest. And I just, I don't know at this point what the Cleveland Browns were thinking when they decided to give Deshaun Watson the biggest contract in the history of football because that's how much guaranteed money he theoretically got. I don't know if Deshaun Watson will ever take a snap for the Cleveland Browns at this point. The New York Times article also details a lot of conversations between Rusty Harden, the 80-year-old defense attorney in Houston that Deshaun Watson has, and the DAs in this case who were putting all this uh, allegations in front of a grand jury, the amount of contacts, phone calls, text messages that were going on between Watson's attorney and the uh, and the district attorney's office, according to people who know more about the Houston judicial system, say that that amount of contact seems strange, that there would be that much discussion going on between Deshaun Watson's attorney and the DA's that maybe it was inappropriate. I think probably there's going to have to be, and my guess is, based on reading this New York Times article, that there may well be an investigation in Houston, in Harris County, into the Deshaun Watson investigation to determine whether it was inappropriately influenced by a high-profile defense attorney, whether all of those interactions were appropriate, whether the grand jury presentations were as well. This is just a colossal mess for the NFL and the Cleveland Browns and certainly for Deshaun Watson. And I just circle back around and ask the question, now that there are 24 different cases outstanding, why in the world did he not settle these initially? Is he going to be able to play this year? I think it's unlikely. The NFL is in a tough spot because these cases are unlikely to be resolved. we got Baker Mayfield drama still with the Cleveland Browns as he remains on the roster. Whatever you think of Baker Mayfield, there are not similar allegations against him. There are reports that the Houston Texans provided an NDA to Deshaun Watson because women were complaining about this behavior. And so this just continues to feel more and more like a colossal mistake by the Cleveland Browns and a situation where Deshaun Watson is unlikely to play this year. Also with the New York Times article and the HBO women speaking out, I feel like there are likely to be more women who come forward and continue to accuse Deshaun Watson of sexual assault. I don't know what the number is, But when you get to 24, it's hard to believe that what Deshaun Watson did was 100% on the up and up. So that is the latest data there. We'll be right back in a moment. But first, this break. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers 
to string trimmers and more. Right now, you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real Steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Couple of stories that we talked about on this program that I still want to dive into. ESPN commentator Sarah Spain said the five Tampa Bay Rays players who refused to wear the pride flag on their uniforms were bigots and that their religious excuse and their religion was BS. And she said this on Around the Horn. We posted the video, I did yesterday, of her comments. ESPN is refusing to comment on Sarah Spain's comments and they have since tried to scrub the internet of this entire video. They have pulled it off many of their platforms. It is almost impossible to find now. They're trying to pretend that this conversation did not actually occur. A million people have watched the video that I shared of Sarah Spain, which is way more than watch around the horn on an average day. And ESPN is trying to pretend that this did not happen particularly significant is that Sage Steele is suing them right now at ESPN because they punished her for sharing her political opinions on Jay Cutler's podcast. Meanwhile, they're allowing Sarah Spain to call Major League Baseball players who won't wear the pride flag bigots. And this is an important statement here. The five players are actually far braver for being willing to take this stand, but We've moved from, hey, we want tolerance for people who have different opinions in the pride sphere, to now, if you will not wear a pride flag on your actual uniform, you're a bigot. And that's an important pivot, right, that I think a lot of people are missing. So let me explain what I mean by this. You can make whatever choice you want to make, in my opinion, uh, as an adult, If you decide you want to change your gender, you have that right, in my opinion, as an adult, certainly. If you are are of the opinion that you are gay and you want to get married to your gay partner, as an adult, you have that right. But there is a difference between me tolerating your choices as an adult, which is what I believe everybody should do in this country, to be clear, as long as those are legal choices, And you mandating that I have to support you by taking an action to wear the pride flag on my uniform at work. That's a big difference. We have moved, note, from you're a bigot if you won't tolerate somebody making a life choice to what Sarah Spain is now arguing, you are a bigot if you won't wear a pride flag on your uniform. That's what ESPN allowed on air a person to argue. That's a big difference. There is a big difference between, hey, you make whatever choices you want to make in your life as an adult, that's your right, and saying, I have to wear something to signify that I agree with all of the life choices that you are making. It's a big difference. And whatever you think of these Tampa Bay Rays players' decision, don't you think they should be able to make a choice like that? 
It's really kind of fascinating without being called bigots. That's where we are. By the way, ESPN, again, has pulled all this video. Outkicks Bobby Barak has asked them for statements on what they said, what Sarah Spain said on the air. And so far, ESPN has tried to pretend that this video doesn't exist and that the comments that were made on their programming doesn't exist either. Thankfully, OutKick is here to hold them accountable. Speaking of hold them accountable, did you see the story? Now people are outraged at Jack Del Rio. Jack Del Rio is the Washington defensive coordinator on what used to be the Redskins team, now the Washington Commanders. Jack Del Rio is being attacked because he said in the Washington area, tomorrow we've got the prime time January 6th congressional hearing. Honestly, we should have a June 8th congressional hearing as well to see whether or not Democrats encouraged an insurrection that led to an assassination attempt of Brett Kavanaugh. But Jack Del Rio came out and said, hey, look, let's also remember that January 6th didn't stand alone. We had hundreds of riots all throughout the summer all over this country that we've never investigated. We've just allowed those to occur, and most of the people who rioted all summer long ended up not facing severe legal consequences, the BLM riots, and Democrats even raised money to bail them out of jail when they were arrested for violence, like, hey, burning down police stations, attacking police officers. This was going on all over the country all summer long. And Jack Del Rio is probably going to, he's already getting crushed by the left-wing sports media for having the gall to say, hey, by the way, yeah, January 6th was wrong. It was a riot. And people who riot deserve to be uh, punished for violating the law. But let's also not forget that we had hundreds of riots all summer long, which were encouraged by Democrat politicians, including Kamala Harris, who is now the Vice President of the United States. And all of this is part and parcel of a larger issue in the country, which is violent crime is skyrocketing all over this nation. And most people out there aren't really attempting to solve this issue. Uh, So I'll back up Jack Del Rio and his ability to share his opinion in this situation. Uh, All right, a couple of other things that I want to hit here. Uh, We have got um, a couple of more of the golfers have joined the Live Tour. Phil Mickelson, Sergio Garcia, Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, Bryson DeChambeau. According to Mark Burns, that is five of the PGA Tour's top 15 biggest draws have gone to join Live Golf. I talked about this on Fox & Friends this morning. Significant story here. Phil Mickelson, Sergio Garcia, Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, and Bryson DeChambeau all now joining the Live Tour. And I say more power to these golfers as long as they haven't lectured me about their politics. I think they have the right to go out and make as much money as they possibly can as golfers, even though it's funded by Saudi Arabia. And as I talked about yesterday and also talked about this morning on Fox News, soccer players have been being paid by Middle Eastern oil oligarchs for a long time, for 15 or 20 years now. 
The only reason the PGA players who are now joining the Live Tour are getting a lot of attention is because the PGA has the sports media doing their dirty work of attacking these golfers for deciding to go make as much money as they possibly can. I'm a capitalist. I'm in favor of everybody making as much as they possibly can. Joe Biden, 35% approval rating, a new low in the Quinnipiac poll that just came out. The vast majority of Americans are overwhelmingly rejecting Joe Biden and Democrat policies, and that even includes people in the state of California. Yesterday was the California primary, and San Francisco and L.A. voters sent a huge message that a red wave is coming and it is going to sweep across the entire country. A former Republican leads in the L.A. mayor's race, Rick Caruso. He's going to be going up against Karen Bass. It's worth noting that Joe Biden considered Karen Bass as his vice presidential running mate, but decided that Kamala Harris was far more accomplished. So L.A., be aware The woman who wants to be your mayor on the left wing of this country was considered to be unworthy compared to Kamala Harris when Joe Biden made the choice for his vice president. Rick Caruso was a Republican until three years ago. He believes in safer streets, community policing, and homeless off the streets. That feels like something that is going to get a lot of approval in L.A., which is descending into a very unsafe arena. Also... Chesa Boudin, who was one of these George Soros-funded prosecutors, uh, DA, district attorneys, George Soros spent $40 million to end up in a situation where one in five of us who live in major American cities now have far left-wing prosecutors who don't believe in holding people accountable for breaking the law. Chesa Boudin lost 60-40 to the recall vote in San Francisco, which is probably the most liberal city in America, the crime situation in San Francisco has become so untenable, the city feels so unsafe that a monster percentage, it's hard to lose an election 60 to 40 when only Democrats are voting, 60% of San Francisco voters voted to recall Chesa Boudin. He is out of office. Same thing happened with the San Francisco board, school board members who were also voted out. When a city as liberal as San Francisco and a city as liberal as L.A. is overwhelmingly turning towards the right side of the political equation, woke politics is headed for electoral disaster. A reckoning is coming this fall, and a reckoning is going to come in the 2024 presidential election as well. I appreciate all of you. My name is Clay Travis. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I will talk to all of you tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out with us. And thanks for being OutKick Patriots. See y'all.